Hello and welcome to what is episode two of Regenerative Agriculture Buzzwords and Bullshit. Uh, I'm Andrew and I'm here with Carl once again. Yep, we're sat in a pub in St. Evanage, Stevenage, uh, just the night before we go to a Regen Ag workshop. So we thought this is the perfect setting for a podcast. So we're in the pub, we've got our pints, we've had some food, Uh, apologies if there's any background noise, Uh, it's not our fault, it's beyond our control, consider it a little uh, uh, atmosphere, atmospherical, a bit of ambiance to the evening and the the session that we're about to do, which is going to be on biostimulants, something that I'm sure most farmers are aware of, bugs in a jug, biostimulants, seaweed extracts, humic, fulvic acids, um, all of the above. It's something that is becoming more and more popular, more and more people are using. There's an awful lot of of salespeople talking about them and selling them on farm. Um, I've done a little bit of research. I know, Carl, you've done a lot of research. So we've got a pretty good grasp of of the business, of the industry, of the products. Um, And the one thing that I I read recently when I was doing my homework uh, was somebody that said biostimulants are easier to define by what they don't do than what they do do. So on that note, what don't biostimulants do? And then by deduction, therefore, what do they do? Well, if you read the literature, I would say about the only thing that they don't do is drive your combine or milk your cows for you. Um, They seem to cover just about um, every aspect of plant growth and all the little intricate little metabolic processes. Um, so yeah, it's. I, I just want to get something straight from the beginning. We're not going to be dipping into sort of like molecular and met- metabolic biochemical processes in this. We're talking about sort of like top level um, processes, really. Just what they do and a, a summary of what what you can do uh, with them. So don't don't worry. Don't switch off now. Uh, we, we're not going to be rambling about sort of weird uh, organic acids and so forth. So um, yeah. So uh, I guess the ones that people are most familiar with are things like seaweeds and humates, fulvic acids. So to define uh, right from the start what a biostimulant is, it's essentially some kind of um, addition to your crop which stimulates the crop to grow but doesn't do it as a nutrient. So it perhaps um, boosts some kind of metabolic pro- uh, pathway, or it, um, I don't know, just feeds the microbes in the soil and makes it a more efficient system. So, And I think this is, so I've known you for a while, and I know your level of knowledge and what you, um, your, your background, if you will, in regards to agronomy and advice. Um, I've never heard you stutter or struggle to explain um, something to do with agronomy. You know, when you talk about NPK, it's very, very simple, very basic, very straightforward. If you're struggling to explain it, um, then I can understand why other people might not quite have the same understanding. And if if you don't know or understand something, you're naturally, a human sort of instinct is to be scared of it. Should we be scared? I, you did mention we were in the pub, didn't you? <laughs> so I, I must have that in my defence. It's—I think it's so bewildering. It's 
the biostimulants make a lot of claims. There are hundreds of products, and they're all being sold basically on the basis of they're going to boost growth, they're going to boost yield, they're going to fight stress. And these are all things that the soil can actually do anyway. So it, I, I don't mean to be vague, it's just more a case of it's so nebulous that the claims, individual products will make specific claims and they've got their science behind them. But to use them effectively on the farm, you need to know what they do and does your soil and plant, your, your, like your crop interactions between the soil and the plant, do they actually need these things? Are they actually going to work for you? And I think that's really where my um, vagueness comes from. It's just getting a, a, a lid on which biostimulant do you use. And that's a bit of a minefield that I appreciate isn't easy to navigate. Um, but we've got to try and help a little bit. And, and from what little I know, um, the understanding I have with, with most people that are using biostimulants, they're either using it to increase nitrogen use efficiency, they're either using it to improve the soil biology, which may include nutrient cycling, for example, yeah. um, which will ultimately aid the germination of a, of a crop. Um, and then they're also talking about reducing the effects of stresses on crops, so abiotic stress, for example, um, you know, potential pathogens that may be having an impact, drought, etc. So the, there's these benefits that happen, but the one thing that I struggle to get my head around, <coughs> excuse me, is all of these supposed biostimulants are taken from nature. Yep. So they're isolated from nature. So you talk about humic acids, fulvic acids, seaweed extracts. Yep. Um, they're taken from nature. Now, if they're being taken from nature, then surely the soil, which is nature, yep. obviously we're having an effect on it and we're, we're working with it, so it's possibly not 100% natural, yep. but it is nature. Surely these processes, these things that we're trying to get our biostimulants to do, the soil should be doing anyway. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so the, the thing is, do you, do you use a biostimulant then um, to, um, as a, a remedial thing for soil that isn't supplying these particular uh, processes or chemicals or what have you, or do you use it as a top-up with your fertilizer to get that little bit more out of the soil. So there's there's a, a few different ways to like skin this cat. If it's truly regenerative agriculture, then I would have thought it'd be a remedial step to get your soil functioning properly and get you know getting some yield out of it in the interim and in the transition. But yeah, yeah. I I think that's. A fair point, and, and I think a lot of these products, and, and we said in the last podcast, that um, true, genuine, regenerative, organic, sustain, whatever you want to call it, farming, doesn't require inputs, and, and ultimately that's the bottom line. But there's a lot of farmers now that are using an awful lot of ammonium nitrate or other chemicals, fertilisers, to grow crops. Um, so their soils are addicted to that current fertiliser. Um, we've got to try and wean them off of that and get them to a point where they're functioning um, efficiently without the need for artificial inputs. Um, and is that where biostimulant comes in? Is that, is that a role that it can fill in helping a farmer transition or even wean them, themselves off of other 
sort of harsher, if you will, synthetic artificial fertilisers. Well, this comes back to, again, another discussion we had in the previous podcast about sustainability and how financial security is financially stable. If you know that you go going cold turkey on things like ammonium nitrate is going to lead to a massive yield drop, then, yeah, perhaps it is good to be able to get a harvest and use as many natural, if you like, things like biostimulants um, to encourage greater yield might be of benefit but they should only be seen I think as an interim step they should only be seen as remedial not just a bung them on and just you know don't know how they work but muck and mystery I'll get some yield out of it so going on from that point that you've just made is if I'm a farmer and I've looked at a lot of trial data that that sort of included biostimulants and biostimulants generally show a positive effect either on root mass plant mass or, or even sometimes even in the yield excuse me this pint's going down far too well um, <laughs> so we've shown that, that there have benefits to the crop that's being grown yeah um, but at what cost and at what value and my argument is all of these trials are against a control yeah the control being having nothing yeah how does it stack up when you were to use something like ammonium nitrate or urea as a fertilizer, as a source, you know, as instead of a biostimulant, as an actual nutritional yeah. product. If you're looking at it like that, we know that, okay, ammonium nitrate's not great for the soil or soil health, but the soil's also extremely resilient. So if we were to apply a little bit of ammonium nitrate um, onto the crop to boost yield, yeah. is that going to have a greater effect on the yield? than the potential saving, the environmental benefits to soil health of an, uh, a biostimulant product instead. Do, do, you, do you understand what I mean? Yeah, Is no, it, so okay. wean, wean yourself off the, the, the hard drugs of like granular even, and, and even more than weaning off is... is why do we have to reduce ammonium nitrate completely? Mm. Couldn't we just reduce it to a level where it's not having the same negative impact and we just get a little benefit, a little bit of a boost, which is still more than the biostimulant, but without doing the same damage, without the same amount of leaching, volatilization. Yeah. So it's a lesser, we're using less total N, ammonium nitrate, mm. um, and achieving a better yield um, at a more commercially viable level. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense on paper in the terms of, um, you know, you're gonna get a yield, you're gonna be able to keep your farm going. What, I'm still not sure what the, the critical level, if you like, the critical mass of ammonium nitrate, what level does it become um, toxic to the soil? And that's going to be different for every single soil. So if you've been using ammonium nitrate high rates for year after year after year, you're going to have acidified your soil, the whole microbiology is going to be to cock. So by, I don't know, just going to a lower rate, are you, are you actually still allowing the soil to recover from that? Are you going to regenerate the soil? Or do you need to be more radical and actually sort of just say, right, I'm not putting more um, ammonium nitrate on. Just put a little bit of seaweed extract on, just to give it that little kick up the backside. I, I don't know. what. I, and there's, there's no trial data so for this. I like to play devil's advocate, and I'm not for or against any of these. Yeah. Um, I'm not using a biostimulant, I don't supply, recommend or promote a biostimulant per se, um, but it's something that I'm interested in. 
um, and I've just lost my train of thought completely as people continue to walk past us. <laughs> this is probably why doing it in a pub is not always the best best well, idea. We make do amend, don't we? We make do. But so I've completely lost my train of thought as well. What were you saying? <laughs> this is good, isn't it? Yeah. We're both going well. We're yeah. definitely drinking too many pints. Yeah. But no, I think the, the point with with biostimulants is is they have a role to play, but at the moment. Our soils are, are, are not all soils, and I'm generalising, I appreciate that, but a lot of soils at the moment are addicted to ammonium nitrate. And if you went cold turkey, you'd have problems and you'd have a real drop-off in yield. Maybe not the first year, but you would the second year. Yeah. It would take a while for those soil biology to recover. Mm. So if we can wean our soils off of ammonium nitrate yeah. and wean them on to something like a sugary drink that is a biostimulant... Well, what's do, the difference? What's do our soils then become addicted to biostimulants yeah. and we then in time need to wean them off <coughs> with another product that's not yet been invented? Yeah. Um, it, is that something that we've got to worry about? Have we got to be careful of getting our soils addicted to and our soil biology addicted to these sugary drinks, these, these extracts that we're supplying? Well, being a cynic and not really having skin in the game, I'm thinking that people are starting to become, become more aware of regenerative agriculture, so they are going to reduce their nitrogen inputs. So if these biostimulant products become more um, efficacious, more popular, then that means the prices are only going to go up. Yeah. So you, are you yeah, going to be in a similar situation where the price of wizard's piss is going to go up, or, or whatever biostimulant you want to go with, so you're back in the same sort of situation. It's, it's, it's a really tricky one. But I, I think the key, and we've rambled a little bit around the point, is which ones actually work. So it, it's all right saying this in theory, but which ones actually work? We've, uh, we've both looked at AHDB and some research papers. Of all the hundreds of products out there, very few of them have got actually good research, independent research data to say there have been positive effects on yield and growth. A lot of them have got moderate, where there's perhaps been one or two field trials, or lots of lab work, or glasshouse work. A lot of them got none at all. So from this list that we've looked at, what I mean, what jumps out at you initially as being ones that are worth looking at? Uh, I think <laughs> and now I'm going to go around the topic and say, well, what are you trying to achieve? Are you looking at increasing the nitrogen use efficiency of your fertilizer, in which case adding something like a humic fulvic acid might be a better product over um, something else? Wizard piss. Wizard piss. Okay, yeah. we'll stick with that term. Yeah. Um, so from my point of view, as somebody that's interested in the soil and biology... Um, my focus is very much on the, the microbial products and the interaction between the microbes, the soil, whether we can stimulate them, increase them. But my, my concern on that is we already have soil microbes in our soil, the number of which is determined almost exclusively by the amount of food available to them. The more food we can provide our microbes, the more microbes we'll have. The better living conditions we can provide for them, the more microbes we have. So basically get rid of the compaction, prevent water logging, you'll have better environmental conditions, more microbes. Yeah. So adding more microbes to your soil isn't ultimately going to increase the number of microbes in your soil because that's determined by a factor that you cannot control. So putting more microbes onto your soil. So 
the one that's jumped out to me was originally the microbes that you can add beneficial microorganisms onto the soil but when you stop and think about it again I'm struggling to see how that actually works in the long run is that adding any real benefit there are some papers that suggest that you can significantly increase your yields by the inclusion of these microbes but it's compared to a control that's had nothing and it's always on poor ground and and I'm not talking about you know just below average ground it's poor ground where they're seeing the benefits and that tells me if they've got to go to pretty rubbish fields and and poor soil types to achieve any sort of significant result there's, there's there might not be as much in it as we first thought yeah. so I, I, I'm a little bit on the fence like you in that it depends what you're trying to achieve um, something like a humic or fulvic acid mixed with a liquid nitrogen will increase the nitrogen use efficiency yep. I, th- I, think, I think that's relatively yep. well accepted you get increased uh, root mass you do see some yield improvements but yeah, but it, you're improving things, and this is the thing: is, is we're trying to make improvements. Yeah. So, if you can use uh, a humic acid or a fulvic acid, and you can improve things, then that's great. Um, but I, I'm still a little bit reluctant to, to buy into the sales talk and the the, the the claims that these guys are making because they're so far fetched, and the the field data, the the field trials just aren't there to support them. Yeah. That that's what I worry about. So of the ones that jumped out, it would be microbes, but I can pick holes in that as well. Mm. <laughs> That's yeah. not a good thing. No. I mean, for me, things like uh, seaweed, uh, and the, the real reason seaweed sticks out for me is it's been used for thousands of years. So, you know, it's, there might not be trial data, but there's history, there's whole industries. Um, uh, I live sort of like down the South Hams. Uh, you know, there are big coastal villages that made their living from hauling seaweed so it's but is, is seaweed the, the benefits from seaweed is that the the, the, the hormones that are potentially in them what, what is it within well, the seaweeds and, and I know we're getting in a little bit technical or is it just the fact that you're adding organic matter to your soil it's then being broken down by yep. biology um, into its constituent parts which yep. can then drive yield um, is that it? Is it the nutrients, the NP, the K, the nutrients within the seaweed that's actually having the value? Well, it is traditionally a fertiliser. Okay, yeah. um, there's a lot of it. There's a lot been a lot of research, and they're looking at these. Uh, what are they called? Um, oh, these oligosaccharides and all these different things that are within it that um, that can actually do things. Um, so yeah, I think I think there is an aspect of it just being a pure fertiliser. It's full of micronutrients. It's full of good stuff. So don't let us stop you putting seaweed on for a fertilizer um, there's but also how, but how sustainable is that if we talk about digging dredging up seaweed when on farms we've potentially got organic manures FYMs already are you going to get the same benefits from an application of FYM as you would from an application of seaweed <laughs> oh, Jesus Yep, no, I, that's a perfectly valid point. That's a perfectly valid point. But if you haven't got cows on your farm, then yeah, you can either buy um, a load of biosolids um, or you can do a, like a, a swap straw for muck. Uh, you know, there's, there's ways of getting organic matter. But it, that, that seems a lot more environmentally friendly than dredging up a load of seaweed from the bottom of the sea. Uh, I, I don't know 
again, I don't know enough, but if you're having to farm seaweed and grow seaweed, there's going to be an environmental footprint to that. And are the benefits then of that seaweed that you're using wherever you, however it's been mm. sourced, and then using on your farm, is that ultimately going to be better than, than yeah. speaking to your neighbour and getting him to run the sheep through in the winter over the cover crop that you've just put in? Yeah, good point. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is my thing. Is yeah. is uh, I think biostimulants have a place. I think there's, there's some value there to be had. I just, as somebody that always takes a step back and looks at the big picture, I just can only see them as a transitional product, and I struggle to get my head around. Okay, look, if the end goal is not using biostimulants, um, not using artificial fertilizers or inputs. <coughs> buying in a different input to get to the point where yeah. you no longer need inputs just seems a bit counterproductive. Yeah. I'm not saying go cold turkey, but rather than weaning yourself off ammonium nitrate and replacing it with a biostimulant, why don't you just wean yourself off ammonium nitrate? Yeah, no, absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. It's, I felt myself, I guess, trying to justify uh, biostimulants to, a, to, an, to an extent, but again, it's just another product. Um, you don't need products. Uh, you just need to get your soil healthy, and people have been keeping their soil healthy um, on like things like organic farms and on you know farms with livestock um, for you know quite a lot longer. And we're certainly in a better position than some countries throughout the world where the soils are totally degraded. Um, it is it is now a big industry, and that makes me worry. Um, if if this was something where like you were by the beach and you could just nip down haul up some seaweed yeah okay you're using your environment around you but yeah like you say industrial rape of the sea to sort of like drag all this seaweed up is that really is that really regenerative so there's so i know that the the eu and, and they're looking at regulating biostimulants now moving forward yeah. don't ask me what the name of the organization is there's more letters than i can care to yeah. remember but they're looking at regulating it now but we already know that there's a few companies out there that, that have avoided that regulation by simply adding some nitrogen in there yep. and calling it a fertilizer rather Absolutely. than the biostimulant yeah so that just muddies the water further and like you say it's it's now big business you know we're talking millions and millions yeah. of pounds every year of sales yeah. globally we're talking billions that's a huge business that people are going to try and fight to hang on to because people are making a lot yeah. of money from it. So we need to be able to, to decipher and, and separate the wheat from the chaff, the buzzwords from the bullshit, to really understand what's going to be a benefit um, to, to the farmer. Yeah, no, I, I agree, absolutely agree. Do we, need to, do we need to look into each type of biostimulant in I, a little bit more detail I, I, to provide people with the information they need to make those decisions on farm and say look I'm trying to increase nitrogen use efficiency I'm currently using liquid fertilizer can I do this or I've got quite poor soils um, with low microbial activity that's that's been compacted previously so I need to add some beneficial microbes yeah. into my soil there are some benefits as we both acknowledged if we go away and come back next time and look at each specific type of biostimulant. Mm. Maybe not all in one yeah. one episode for each, yeah, yeah. but we can do a couple in an episode. Mm. We can provide the information that, that these guys need to, to make a decision based on what they're trying to achieve on their own farms. Uh, could we do like a top ten of bullshit? <laughs> could we do sort of like a, a countdown, sort of like from ten to one? 
uh, have like the you know the least bullshitty through to the, we the can, most bullshit. I, I reckon we could do something along those lines. I reckon we should do that. This that makes this episode um, completely anticlimactic and <laughs> vacuous, <laughs> bordering on the tedious. So we, we've actually spent 23 minutes uh, getting nowhere yeah. with the promise of uh, doing something in the future. It's a, it's a bit like UK politics at the moment. Yeah. Um, but at least we can. We had a drink. Yeah, uh, we did a pint. Yeah, and, and maybe we can make this a bit of a regular tradition because I quite like it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not it. I must admit, a little bit aware of my surroundings, a little bit more timid than usual. So uh, <laughs> I'm going to finish on a flurry of swearing. So. You can all go and 